Well, this weekend, a very good friend of mine, Armando Herrera, was ordained a priest. Thanks be to God, after a very, very long, eager, yet patient period of waiting and preparation in the seminary, we finally received as a diocese a brand new father. And now Father Armando received a whole new identity. Now he's a priest forever, after the heart of Jesus. It's very rare for an ordination to happen during this time of year, in December, in the middle of the season of Advent. Usually they happen in June, when it is blisteringly hot and we are wearing lots and lots of vestments. But I find it very, very appropriate that we had an ordination in the middle of Advent. Because think about it, Advent is all about that beautiful and kind of weird mixture of patience and holy impatience. And that's basically what seminary is in a nutshell. It's like one big, long, sometimes very, 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 very long season of Advent, of, of waiting and preparation. Christ is coming. New priests are on the way. So get ready. Now, on the one hand, we can't wait for more and more priests to be ordained. In an all too real and practical sense, we can't ordain them fast enough. There's just not enough of them to go around. So lay on those hands, Bishop. Like, put your head and face on that marble, guys, because we got to go. It's time to get into action, to go into battle. Send them out now. Maybe that's what we're kind of thinking. Like, what, like send them out now, Lord. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's no time to waste. What are we waiting for? And yet, on the other hand, we also know that we need to be patient. The priesthood is not something that we can or should rush or force on anyone. In actuality, we want our seminarians to take as long as they need to prepare very, very well for the sacrament of holy orders. We want them, even though sometimes it's kind of frustrating, we want them to discern as long as it ought to take. Seminary is more like a garden than a factory. It's an orchard, not a conveyor belt. The seminary is supposed to be a place where seeds are planted in good, healthy soil. They're sown in hiddenness. And we, the church, like a wise and faithful farmer, wait patiently for those buried seeds to sprout and then become little saplings. And then, please God, after many, many years, after, with, with the prayers of so many people like you in the pews, by the grace of God, they grow into full-grown and sturdy, healthy trees. Nobody wants half-grown, rushed, forced trees. And so we find that necessary mixture, that weird mixture, that Advent mixture of patience and holy impatience. What we heard in our second reading this weekend in the letter of St. James is applicable here. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You too must be patient. That's, that's the patient side of Advent, right? Be patient. 
But then St. James kind of mixes it up because he's, then he starts kind of being a little bit urgent because he goes right into this. So make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Be patient, but know that Jesus the judge is at the gates. Be patient and somehow impatient at the same time. This mixture is at work, I think, when we kind of think about it. This mixture is at work in all sorts of different situations we might find ourselves in in life. We find it in relationships, in dating, and I think especially in marriages. You need to be patient, right? You need to wait and, and kind of be, be patient for a relationship to develop. You can't just force it. And yet, without intentionality and without appropriate urgency, without taking good and healthy risks, without becoming vulnerable with one another, will the relationship actually ever pro- progress or deepen? No. Or what about when we face health issues? When you're sick, you need to be patient. You need to be bearing with that suffering. You need to undergo the tests and wait for the results, as frustrating and as scary as that might be. You need to give yourself time to heal. And yet, you also, at the same time, need to be proactive and advocate for yourself or for your loved ones. You need that that zeal and that holy impatience to get better as soon as possible. You got to do the physical therapy and you have to you have to commit to it, right? We face the same sort of mixture of patience and holy impatience when it comes to our moral lives as well, when it comes to choosing right from wrong. We need to be patient with ourselves as we strive eagerly for virtue and as we pursue holiness. Nobody's going to be perfect right away. And so we need to humbly acknowledge that we've still got a long way to go, and it'll take time. So be patient. The Lord is teaching us so much in every single one of our faults, in every single one of our failures and our sins. St. Paul said that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But we know that's not the whole story either, right? Because at the same time, we, we have that patience, but we also have to hold on to that holy impatience, and we need to say, actually, I want to be done with sin right now. I don't ever want to sin again. I want the grace to repent. So how long, Lord? How long until I'm free? How long, Lord, until I'm able to be pure, to be generous, to forgive, to really love as Jesus loves, to say no to temptation? St. Jose Maria Escriva captures all of that tension, that mixture of patience and holy impatience, very well when he says this, it is good that your soul should be eaten up by that impatience, but don't be in a hurry. God wants you to prepare yourself seriously, taking all the months or years necessary, and is counting on your decision to do so. And so we wait patiently with a sort of holy impatience for all of the good things that God has promised us. Now, with all of that said, we have, we, we're all very painfully aware, probably, that there is such a thing as sinful impatience, right? I know nobody here has ever suffered or struggled with 
sinful impatience. I know, I, I, just, I, I just have this thing that I never get impatient. It's great. You should try it. It's wonderful. No, I'm joking. Uh, of course. Like when we're stuck behind that car going 25 in a 45-mile-per-hour zone, we get a little impatient. Or when politicians and our supervisors at work and our coworkers and, and maybe even bishops and priests, people in the church, do stuff that, that drives us completely nuts, we get impatient. Or when we, we face all of the inconveniences and the struggles, big and small, that every one of us face every single day, kids having meltdowns, broken down appliances at home, health setbacks, financial problems, spouses doing the same exact thing over and over and over, despite you saying ever so patiently, please don't do that. Sinful impatience is very, very tough to drive out of our hearts, but we got to try, and we have to ask for God's grace to do so. But maybe part of the remedy is to ask God for a little bit of holy impatience, right? Holy impatience. We catch something of this holy impatience in our gospel this weekend when St. John the Baptist sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus a question point blank. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? In other words, are you the guy or not? Should we keep waiting because we're getting a little bit antsy here, Jesus? And the Lord replies by pointing to everything that he's been up to. He's been working, and he's been doing his father's works. Go and tell John, he says, what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And although we don't get a full picture, apparently that was enough for St. John the Baptist. That kind of sold him. Just this simple testimony alone somehow set John at ease and he could now be patient in his prison cell. This man who is so filled with urgency and zeal, the same urgency and zeal of all the Old Testament prophets, could now patiently endure his imprisonment. He could wait with joyful expectation. Right now, we are eagerly waiting for Christmas with joyful expectation with hopefully a little bit of that holy impatience of St. John the Baptist mixed with patience. We need both. We're, we're actively preparing the way of the Lord. He's coming. Be vigilant. He will not delay. Christmas is so close. And yet, we also don't want to rush it. We don't want to hurry past this season of spiritual waiting. We instinctively know that these four weeks of Advent should not be a dizzy blur that we just skip past in order to get on with Christmas. No, we want to be able to take the time that is necessary to meditate on and prepare fully for this core mystery of our Catholic faith, the incarnation. God made man. God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus, conceived at the Annunciation on March 25th and then knit together so meticulously in the virgin's womb. Nine long, slow, beautiful, patient months. How patient God really is. I suppose it makes sense that God would be patient 
After all, God is love, right? And as St. Paul tells us in his famous, famous passage on love, love is patient. So that makes God patient. God is patient with us. He's patient with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so patient. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, put this reality of the Lord's incredible patience into words when he wrote this. God suffers himself to be conceived in a mother's womb and awaits the time of birth. And when born, he bears the delay of growing up. Have you ever thought about that? How strangely patient God really is. I think if it was up to us to save the world, we would probably hurry around like our heads were cut off uh, very, very restlessly, very, very anxiously, and very, very impatiently. We'd say, well, the world needs to be fixed right now, right? Souls are at stake after all, are they not? Sin, ignorance, evil, sickness, all of that is in the world, and so we got to get it out right this millisecond. But that's not how God chose to save the world. Christ came to save the lost. He couldn't wait to save us, but he did wait. He waited nine months in the womb, and then he waited another 30 years to grow up, and then he waited another 2,000 years until we all came along and came to St. Bede's tonight, and here we are. But then in comes that holy impatience, because then Jesus invites us right now, follow me now, not later, not tomorrow. Choose me now. I'm here right now. What a strange mixture of patience and holy impatience we find in Jesus himself. Even the color of our vestments this weekend, we call this third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday. Even the color of our vestments proclaims this weird mixture. I was talking with this really wise and seasoned priest just yesterday. Uh, You might know him. His name is Father Cassidy Stinson. He he explained to me that, as I told him, like, what I was going to preach on this Sunday, he, he explained to me, well, you know, like, even the color rose that we wear on Gaudete Sunday is a visible mixture of the penitential violet of Advent and the joyful white of Christmas. It's as if even our vestments are getting a little impatient for the arrival of the newborn Messiah. Now, at an earlier Mass, someone pointed out, well, if you mix purple and white, it turns into lilac, not rose. (laughs) Well, okay, violet, when I mean that, it's like a reddish purple, okay? Reddish purple and white turns into rose. (laughs) The point being is that, that we're anxious for Jesus, and yet we're willing to wait. And he's well worth the wait. So as we get closer and closer to Christmas, let's ask God to make us truly patient in all the right ways and truly impatient in all of the right ways. Let's ask for that weird mixture so that we can look forward with eager, joyful longing for the birth of Christ into this world, into our families, and into our hearts.